Thank you for tuning into Calvary Life Keller's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you are encouraged and challenged in your personal relationship with Jesus. For more information about our service times and locations, please visit us at www.calvarylife.us. Amen. Good morning. I am excited to share this morning. I'm going to be, we're going to be taking a two-week um, pause from Pastor Gwynmar's series on faith. Uh, this is kind of high for me. I'm, <laughs> I guess I'm a shorty. <laughs> um, and I'm going to do something different for this week and next week. So praise the Lord for all the wonderful, wonderful messages on faith that Pastor Gwenmar has been giving us. Wow, so powerful, so powerful. We were driving home last Sunday morning from vacation, and we <clears throat> listened to the message while we were driving. Very powerful. Every single week has been very wonderful. Amen. I want to mention also in the announcements, we, uh, we do have a Tuesday night class uh, that is, I think you could probably, could they catch up if they come this week? I hope they could. But um, on Roman civilization and its impa impact on Christianity, it's very, very powerful. Uh, James Parrish is teaching that, and it was such a great, great class last week. So if you forgot about that, didn't think about it, um, whatever, maybe try to come out this week and, and, uh, and get in on that class. I think it would be a great class for you. So I'm going to uh, speak this week on the image of God, and I have it titled the Imago Dei, which is just simply Latin for the image of God, I-M-A-G-O, Dei, D-E-I. I feel like the Imago Dei somehow just, for some reason, just captures it more for me, and so that's why I'm titling it the Imago Dei. We're going to speak out of Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 27. And then also Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. I need to um, say that this message will be a little different than most messages that I do. Usually I take a passage and we just dig out everything we can from that passage. This message is going to be a little bit more all across the scriptures. So just, I'm not going to have, I, I told Vicki not to worry about putting all the scriptures on the screen. I don't know that you need to try to real quickly look them up because I'm going to be going pretty fast, but I am going to reference a lot of scriptures this morning. So Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 27 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. I really should say soul, became a living soul. Just a quick word about that. Most, many of you read New King James. How many read New King James? So a lot of you do. And, 
And it translates, it became a living being. And I don't really understand why the New King James translators translated it that way. The Hebrew word is nefesh, which means soul. So, so I just, I just, when I read it, I just say became a living soul. So let me read that again. Now I messed that up by all that commentary. So let me read that verse again. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Father, I pray that you'd help me today to communicate what I feel like was your word for us today. I believe that you put it on my heart. So I ask that you'd help me to communicate it. Help me to be able to express clearly what you want me to say. But even beyond that, help us hear what you want us to hear. I pray that you would speak to our hearts and bring change into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So, first of all, this passage of Scripture really lets, it shows us how God views us. How does God look at you? God sees you in His image. You may not see you in His image. You may not feel like you're anything special at all, but God doesn't see you that way. He sees you as a person created in His image. And so that's my goal today. If nothing else, you can walk out of here thinking, wow, I look like God. I'm in his image. So if nothing else, I hope you get that much out of it. I think it also affects how we view other people. So a lot of times we tend to be very judgmental. Yeah. We tend to be very, um, well, I guess judgmental is the word I'm looking for. And God wants us to not be, be that way. He wants us to see every single person. We look at each individual, and in that person, we can find the image of God. So that, that changes how we'll relate to people. And so uh, there's so much. I mean, it's impossible. I was telling Pastor Gwen Marby for service. My, my problem today is I have so, I've studied so much. I have so much that I would love to share, and I have to narrow it down to a 35-minute message. Notice I gave myself five extra minutes there. <laughs> so 35-minute message. And so it's impossible. I mean, it's completely impossible. We could spend an entire semester. And that's my teaching thing coming out. We could spend weeks and weeks talking about being created in the image of God. So today I'm going to talk just about four aspects of being created in his image. We'll spend the bulk of the time on one. We'll talk about the other three we're going to talk about being created in the image of God as a spirit. You are a spirit. We're going to be talking about creating the image of God emotionally. God is emotional. I don't know if you ever thought about God as being emotional, but he is. We're going to talk about being created in the image of God relational, and we're going to talk about being created in his image as holy beings. And there's so much more, but lo I would love to talk about being created in the image of God intellectually. I just wanted so much to talk about that, but I just don't think I'm going to have time. I would love to talk about being created in the image of God creatively, that every single one of us are creative. I've often made the mistake of saying I'm not creative. Well, I'm not creative in the sense that I can't draw, I can't paint, I can't play instruments, I can, I can sing a little bit. I really can't do much of anything, but I'm still creative because I'm created in God's image. And so there's so much I would love to talk about, but I'm just going to talk about those four. So the first thing I feel like I need to say is this, and I want everybody to focus in now because 
this is really going to be like um, a classroom lecture, and my apologies, but I don't know how else to present this material. So first of all, every single person in the world, uh, some of you, let me say this also, I know that there are going to be a lot of things that you're going to disagree with what I say today. And that's fine. I really wish we had time to dialogue. If it was a classroom setting, we would really hash it out. But it's not. It's Sunday morning service, so I'm just going to present it. You don't get to present your viewpoints, but, but that's okay that you disagree. I, I, I know that you're going to disagree with some of the points that I, did, that I state. And one of those is this, is that every single person on the planet is in the image of God. We often think in terms of only Christians are in the image of God. But that's not true. And I could give you one scripture that just settles the, the issue for us, and that's Genesis chapter 9, verse 6. In Genesis chapter 9, verse 6, here's what has transpired. God has regretted making humans. Now, that's kind of a weird thought to think about, and we could talk about that theologically, but we won't. But God has regretted making humans, and now he has decided he's going to destroy them all. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And so God pulled Noah out, saved his family, destroyed the rest of the human population. And, and now this is after the flood, after God's disgust with humanity. And then God said to Noah, anybody who sheds man's blood, that person will be punished because man is created in my image. This is unregenerate humanity that God says we are created in his image. And so I think it's important for us to recognize on next week I'm going to talk about how Christ has restored the image of God. And so I don't, I don't really know exactly how to phrase it because it's an ontological reality that we are in God's image, but the dynamic reality seems to be lost, Right? It's, the, it, it's true that we're in his image, but it, you could say it's marred or it's tainted, or you could even say it's broken. I don't know how else to say it, that the, his image in us is messed up, but it's still there. Every single human has the image of God in, in him or her. So I, Now, you may disagree with that, and that's fine. I wish we had time to talk about it. It would be great to... I love my classrooms because we have a lot of discussion, but... No discussion today. My apologies. So the first thing I'm going to talk about is this, that we're created in the image of God as a spirit. Jesus in John 4.24 said it straight out. God is a spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God is a spirit. I don't think that that means he's, he's some shapeless mist I don't believe that. I mean, I believe, well, I don't want to get too far off in the weeds here, but, but I just believe that he has some kind of form, some kind of shape, but he's spirit. And then in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, which we just read, it says that God breathed into man, Adam, and when he breathed into him, he became a living soul. Now, that is such a powerful picture. Before that, God had, with his own hands, whatever his hands looked like, had shaped from the dust of the ground this human body. And you can believe it was a perfect body. But it was lifeless. 
It was just dust shaped into a body. And when God breathed into him, hit the breath of life, the spirit of God entered into that human body. And when the spirit of God entered into that human body, then he became a living soul. And that is such an amazing picture of the spirit of God filling humanity that we have the spirit we have well we have we are a spirit i don't i don't even want to say we have a spirit we are a spirit that's who and what we are Thiessen in his theology book says that according to his material self the human was shaped and formed from the dust of the ground but according to his immaterial self who we are he is a result of the inbreathing of God, right? And he says that we are made according to the same, we're made in the same order of creature as God is himself. And because of that, we're able to have relationship with our creator. It's amazing. So we are spirit. You are a spirit. Now, I feel like I need to take just a moment and talk about the human body. So it's, this today isn't about the body, but I just need to make a comment about the body in this. Because in almost every religion of the world, the human body is considered bad or evil or at best a hindrance. But not so in Christianity. Christianity values the human body. The Bible values the human body. And, and so much of our life, at least for me, maybe not for you, but I was just it was just drilled into me everything that my body desired was evil and that's not true in fact Romans chapter 6 says we present the members of our bodies as the instruments of righteousness Romans 12 1 says we submit our bodies to God as living sacrifices and they are holy and acceptable to God our bodies are holy and acceptable to God so in, in Greek thought in those days, in Greek thought, and Greek thought still today, Western culture is hugely influenced by the Greek philosophy of those days. And in those days, basically, they felt like maybe the human body wasn't evil, but they looked at it as a prison. And that and the, and our, our, human, our spirit was the real us. And when you died, your spirit finally got set free from its prison that is the human body. That's not how Christianity views it. Paul in 2 Corinthians 5 said, man, I don't want to be unclothed. I want to be clothed. And what he was saying was, when I die, I don't want to be a disembodied spirit. I want my spirit to be re reunited with the glorified body. Jesus had a body. In fact, he still has a body. And that's a theological thing that's hard to get our minds around, but he does. And, and he, but it's a glorified body. And you will always have a body. It will be a glorified body. And there will be a little season of time where we're separated. Our spirit goes to be with the Lord, but our bodies aren't yet resurrected. And, and Paul, for Paul, that was just almost agony to think about that. So our bodies are not bad. Our bodies are good. I just felt like it was important to get that in there because I want to get back now to the thought that you are a spirit. 
Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, where I just mentioned that, he said to be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Okay, let's just break that down for a minute. Okay, his body is dead. But he is present with the Lord. Well, who is he? Who is he? Who is he? I guess that's good grammar. Who is he? That he, he is Paul. He is his spirit. His body is dead, but his spirit, I will be with the Lord. His body is dead, but he lives on. You see that? Let me give you another example. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, I, pre I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. But I, I beseech you to present your body. Okay, so our bodies are what are being presented to the Lord. Who's presenting them? You are. Who is you? <laughs> That's not good grammar. Who is you? Who are you? <laughs> Who is you? <laughs> you are your spirit. You are a spirit. And I don't feel like we can ever really fully grow. I don't feel like we can ever fully understand who and what God has made us to be who and what he has made us until we understand this, this thought that we are spirit. We are a spirit. You are a spirit. You present your body to the Lord. When your body dies, you will be with the Lord. You will be. You will be. Your spirit, you, you are a spirit. And so I think it's really critical for, in fact, I feel like until we understand that, the rest of it's really kind of moot. We are spirit. And we, we relate to God with our spirits. Romans chapter 1, verse 9, Paul said, I serve God with my spirit. That's always caught me. Every time I read that, how many times have I ever read that? I don't know. But every time I read it, it just catches me. I serve God with my spirit. I just mentioned Romans 12.1. Our spirit presents our bodies as living sacrifices. Romans chapter 8, verse 16. The Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Wow. John 4.24. Jesus said that God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him. Excuse me. In spirit and in truth. And I have a whole list of scriptures. I'm, not, I'm just going to share those four, but that, that, re, that talk about our relationship with God is by and through our spirit. Now, we serve God with our bodies, but we relate to him with our spirit. I'm going to say that again. I want you to get it. Because I know how it is. We kind of start drifting off. But I want you to get this point. We serve God with our bodies. I mean, it takes bodies to set this room up, right, on Saturday night and Sunday morning. It takes bodies to go sit in the classroom and teach children. It takes bodies to go downtown and feed the homeless. 
It takes bodies to do that. We serve God with our bodies. They are good, but we relate to God with our spirit. We relate to him with our spirit. So that could be, could be, should be an entire message in itself, but we're going to end it there. We're going to move to the next thought. We are created in the image of God emotionally. Now, emotions often get a bad rap in Christianity. Well, we, we talk about the fact that it's by faith, not by feelings and all of that. And that's true. It is true that we serve God by faith. But, our, but where did your emotions come from? Yeah, you're created in God's image. And you got your emotions from God. Now, next week, we're going to talk about how some things have gotten messed up. Sometimes our emotions are out of control, or sometimes they're in control, which is even a greater problem. Um, and and they, get, they get twisted, but your emotions are good. In fact, it begins in Genesis chapter 1. We see God as an emotional being in Genesis chapter 1. He created everything that he created. It says that he said it was good. And I just get this picture of God sitting back, how he sits, I don't know, but he sat back and he, just, and he just had this, what you see there is this sense of satisfaction. That's an emotion. He was satisfied. Wow, that, that's good. That's really good. In fact, the only thing he said it wasn't good, this isn't in my notes, but the only thing he said it wasn't good was man by himself he needed a lady <laughs> but okay that's how so but but every he just this sense of satisfaction wow this is good i think there's a pleasure in that he was pleased at what he saw god has emotions in, in deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 37 the bible says that god was angry with moses he was angry with him 1 Kings 11, 9, I think is the right reference. God was angry with Solomon. Anger is an emotion. Would you agree? How about Jesus? There's no emotion other than anger that we can ascribe to him putting together a whip and driving the money changers out of the temple. He was angry. And Jesus is the perfect image of God. He is the reflection of God. And so Jesus was angry. The anger itself is not a sin. And I think we're, we're taught to believe that it is. In fact, Ephesians says, be angry and sin not. We can have anger, but we can let that anger be under control and not let it, let it bring harm to other people. But anger itself is an emotion that God himself feels. Not just felt, he still feels it because God's unchanging. So what we see Jesus experiencing, God still experiences it. He still feels anger. God feels joy. Zephaniah 3.17, God will sing over us with rejoicing. <laughs> I mean, is that a picture of God? That God is, is singing over us with this joyful, just, he's just rejoicing over us. I think about Jesus when the 70... Uh, the 70 disciples came back after re and they reported, oh man, the, de the demons are subject to us and people are getting healed. And Jesus, the Bible says, rejoiced. 
in the spirit. Joy, God has sorrow. God regrets, I already shared that. He regretted making humanity. That, that's a hard one, I'm not even gonna go there, but he regretted it. So God has emotions. Now next week we're gonna talk about how Jesus restores all of that. He restores our emotions, how they should be, because our emotions do get out of control, but emotions themselves are not bad. They are, in fact, a part of the image of God in you. Amen? That ought to be freeing for some of us, right? That it's okay to have emotions. In fact, if you don't have emotions, something's wrong. You need to have emotions. And then thirdly, we are created in the image of God relationally. <clears throat> in, in, in Genesis chapter 1, we just read it. The Bible says, God said, let us make man in our image. What does that mean? Let us make man in our image. In fact, the very next verse says, then God made man in his image. But the word for God there is Elohim. And Elohim is plural. <laughs> so let me just mess with your mind a little bit. So what it basically says, God's made man. God's made man. God's made man in his singular image. And so just stay with me for a minute. What we see in the very beginning is this plurality of God and the singularity of God. Now, we don't really see the Trinity per se. There's hints of it all throughout the Old Testament. But we don't really see it fully come to, to a full picture until the New Testament. But you see the evidence of it right here in Genesis chapter 1. You have the plurality of God. Let us make man in our image. So God's created man in his image. Plurality, singularity, three in one, right? The Trinity. Well, God as a Trinity, I just try to think about this with me, had perfect fellowship within himself. God we, we say God the Father, God, God the Word, which became God Jesus, but God the Word, and God the Spirit, all together are one, but they're three, and they have perfect fellowship with one another. Everybody with me on that? They were in relationship with one another. So God said, you stay with me, God said, let us make man in our image. He created him male and female. He created them. You see that? He created them in relationship. You with me on that? Let us make man in our image, male and female, he created them. So God created humanity from the very beginning relational. See that? He created us relational from the very beginning. I have more I would like to say about that. I'm not sure that I will. We'll see. But 
<clears throat> but mainly I want you to get the point that we're relational. And <clears throat> every single person, I don't care how introverted you are, you are a relational person. You know how I know that? Because you're created in God's image. You're created in God's image. And you <clears throat> are relational. You need relationships. In fact, let me just do a little quick advertisement here <laughs> briefly. We're, we're going to be starting life groups this fall. And we've really been hashing out. We're really trying to discern what it is God wants us to do. We, we have classes we're doing. We have life groups we're doing. And, but we really, life groups have surfaced as the primary um, vehicle for, really, I think you're going to find them, they're going to become the most important ministry of our church. I believe you're going to see that coming up. And, and one of the reasons is, is because it is such a place for relationship. For us to build relationship, to be in relationship, to disagree with one another, to, to agree with one another, to share life together, to share the scriptures together, to share Christ together. So I think because it, it, it relate, we are relational. You are a relational person. And some of you think you're not, but you're wrong. You are. You are a relational person. So let me move on. <clears throat> well, I am going to say this for just briefly. <laughs> so this idea of being created male and female. I, so just so you'll know, I had one of my graduate school professors adamantly disagree with me about this and I was just quiet for the rest of that class because I wanted to pass but but, uh, <clears throat> but but I still thought I was right and I still do think I'm right it seems to me that that when God created humanity and it says let us make man in our image then God's created man in his image, male and female, he created them. It seems to me that the perfect image of God is reflected when we are in, in the creation of male and female. That, that when Adam was just Adam, the, the image of God wasn't complete. And you may disagree with that, and if you do, that's fine. I had a professor that disagreed with it, so that's fine. But, but I, when I read that, I don't know how else to read that. He created man in his image, male and female, he created them. And so I, I really feel like <clears throat> that's not to say I need to rush on to say that doesn't mean if you're not married that you're not complete. That's not the point. But it is in, that, in the creation of male and female together that we reflect the image of God. I'll hasten on to some thin ice here and then I'll hurry past it. That's also one reason why I believe the homosexual um, issue is such a critical issue in God's eyes. Because I believe that it is, it is a, a breaking it is a distortion of the image of God. <clears throat> We're in his image as male and female. And so I believe that really, one, and I, 
personally, and, and if you disagree with me, that's fine. I respect your opinion. That's no problem. <clears throat> but I personally believe that that's part of why it's such a huge issue is because <clears throat> Satan wants to destroy in us the image of God. Thank you. <clears throat> I have water over there, and I forgot to bring it. Thank you, sir. <clears throat> I said I wasn't going to go there, but I did. But, uh, but I, I really believe that we as Christians need to understand the battle. It's not hatred for a, a homosexual person. That's not it at all. It's a recognition that the image of God with, that they don't even recognize within themselves the fullness of God's image. And it's a, it's a whole issue of recapturing and restoring the image of God in that person. Amen? So let me rush off before I sink in the water. <clears throat> and let's talk about being made in the image of God holy as holy. I'm not really going to talk about this very much because I'm going to talk about it more next week. But the word holy is the word that is most often used to describe God in Scripture. In fact, it's used more than any other words combined. The word holy. Well, what, is, what does holy mean? I think it's hard for us to really get our minds around. We say holy, we, I think we have a concept. We have a feeling. Oh, okay, that's holy. But to really put it into words, I think, can be very challenging for us. For us to be holy means to be set apart completely to God, that we are completely God's. We belong to him 100%. Well, as you can tell, none of us have fully achieved holiness yet, right? So, but we are holy, and we'll talk about that next week, because of Christ. Well, it means to be dedicated. It means to be pure. Holiness is to be pure, and pure means to be unmixed. So you're not like 90% good and 10% bad, right? But it's unmixed. So to be pure, I mean, pure gold is gold that's nothing else in it, right? So, so pure, it means to be pure. We're completely the Lord's. Um, for God, I think it has to do with his perfection. And I love this scripture. In fact, I forgot where it is, but the scripture that says, in him is no darkness at all. He's perfect in every way. And we have been created in his image. You are holy. How do I know you're holy? Because you're created in the image of God. Now that could be messed up. And we need to get it restored. And that's what next week's all about. Jesus came to restore it. But I want you to think about this. I read this in a theology book somewhere, sometime. I don't remember where. I don't remember when. I wish I would have written it down and recorded who wrote it, but, but it has stuck with me. <clears throat> and it's this thought that Adam and Eve were not passively innocent. They were positively holy. Now, let me just let that think in, sink in for a minute. They weren't passively innocent. I think that we almost think of Adam and Eve as kind of childlike. 
just innocently rollick, frolicking through the garden, right? And we just kind of, I think we just kind of view them that way. <clears throat> but they were not just passively innocent. They were positively holy. A holy God had just breathed into them <clears throat> the life, the breath of life. And they became a living soul. They were positively holy. There's a difference in just being passively innocent and positively holy. You, and we'll talk more about it next week, but you are holy. You are destined for holiness. You are designed to be a holy being. You are designed to be complete and pure in Christ. You are designed to be 100% committed and dedicated to the Lord. That's how you're designed. That's how God created you. I know that most of us, I say most, and I think probably I'm right. Most of us have no thought of ourselves as being holy. And I think that's one of Satan's deceptions. That for you to say, I am holy, would, would feel almost blasphemous to you. I, I can't say that. But that's how God made you. He breathed into you the breath of life. The songs this morning are about the Holy Spirit coming. And he breathes into us. The Holy Spirit breathes into us. The Holy Spirit settles down upon us. The Holy Spirit fills us up. And we become holy because we are created in God's image. Amen? <clears throat> so... That's all I have today. I have a whole lot more I would love to share, but that's all I'm going to share today. My <clears throat> Thank you. <laughs> so let's just wrap it up. I really feel like, and like I said, we're just taking a little two-week pause from Pastor Glimmar's series on faith. I was going to continue it, but... It, it was strange. I just had this thought come to me. And I felt like it was the Lord. So I just had to go with it. That he wanted us to understand that we are created in his image. And, and I don't know that we really can fully, well, I don't know that we can fully grasp that, number one. But I don't think that we can really grow in the Lord and be what he wants us to be without first understanding that we are created in his image. Amen? Praise the Lord. You want to close it up, Pastor? Hallelujah. Yes. Come on, why don't you stand with me this morning? Well, that was good. Welcome to theology class. Amen? I believe this message and next week's message is going to support the faith series. Um, so as Pastor Steve was, was saying, if you don't know who you are, so, so listen, your, um, if your identity affects your activity. So it's very difficult to have faith in God if you don't know who you are. 
because the trials and tribulations that will come, right, will, will kind of um, really challenge your identity. So your identity affects your activity. If you don't know that you are a child of God and created in his image, amen, the, the Satan will challenge you with, with that when you face disappointments, trials, and just stuff just happens to us, right? Amen? So we, we must know who we are and whose we are. Very, very important. So I love this, this message, kind of like a bridge for the series for us. Amen? So, I'll, so he'll talk about the tough stuff, and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll move on with faith. Amen? Because ha having faith is important. Do you agree? Can we just end the service just with some great worship? Like the worship in your heart. Just knowing if you were in front of our mighty God, how would you worship? If the Lord was just standing right in your presence, how would you worship? For those that may be struggling with your identity, just ask God, say, God, help me see me the way that you see me. Help me see me the way that you see me. Can we just worship together this morning? We're going to take some time and just come on, come on, step on out here. Just we're going to worship together. Come on. We're going to worship. That's going to be our altar call this morning. We're going to do some worship together. And the altars are open for you. You just want to come up and just worship um, just alone and, and just, just give God your best this morning. Something powerful when we all come together and, wor and worship, to, you know, in the same place. Something special can happen here. So let's just worship, let's take this moment and worship, and I'll come back up and close this out in, in prayer and, and let you go. Let's worship. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's podcast. Thank you and have a blessed week.